Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Radio Hour. As always, I'm your host, Luke Salk, and I'm going to be joined by some very lovely people here shortly. I hope you all are having a great day whenever you are listening to this episode of the Fantasy Football Radio Hour. Uh, it's been an incredible start to the NFL season. Week one and two have flown by, and week three is just about to get started right around the corner here. Brown Steelers kicking off tomorrow night. We'll do a little bit of preview here while we wait for some people to come in. Uh, tomorrow night, it's a battle of two good defenses and two really poor offenses. Uh, I think you are starting all of your fantasy options in this game, except for Mitch Trubisky uh, and Jacoby Brissett. Hopefully, hopefully you do not have to rely on those guys. Besides that, you know, Deontay Johnson, fire him up. Nick Chubb, fire him up. Kareem Hunt, fire him up. Najee, fire him up. Uh, Fryermuth, you know, throw him out there. Claypool, don't love Claypool this week. You know, he's, he's still like a fringe flex play for me. Uh, George Pickens, obviously do not play him yet. Hasn't really got a chance to prove himself yet. Uh, David Njoku, play him this week. David Bell, don't. Uh, you know, pretty much just play everyone that you expect to play and don't play everyone else that you would not normally play anyway. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think this matchup will probably be pretty low scoring. Uh, I haven't looked at the over-under line in this game, but I'd probably be leaning towards the under. Uh, I do like the Browns in this matchup, even though I'm a Steelers fan. I think it's going to be a winnable game for both teams, though. Uh, I would say it's a pretty 50-50 matchup, uh, to be honest with you guys. Uh, but we already have Donger here who wants to come up here and speak, which is awesome. I appreciate it. If anyone wants to come up here and speak, you guys know the drill. Hit the request to speak button in the bottom left-hand corner of your screen. I would love to talk to you guys. It'll be kind of a laid-back show tonight. I don't have a ton of things I want to talk about, but... You know, any questions, any debate topics, anything you guys want to talk about, uh, feel free to shoot me a message on Twitter, if I see it on DMs, or just come up here and request to speak and we'll get it going. But let's, talk, let's bring in Donger here. Let's get him in here. Let's load up. Also, I don't know why I'm not following him. I just followed him. All right, he's loading in here, ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Donger. What's up, man? How are you? First of all, it's pronounced Donger. And, uh, I've no, been it's Donger. You're Donger forever, bro. I'm oh, just kidding. Damn. No, I love it though. I got you. I got you. It's Donald J. Anyway, what's up, man? Nothing much. I just had a, I had a question for you. It was a dynasty question. I know it's redraft hour here late at night, but I had a dynasty question for you. So I I've been trying to been trying to get like handcuff receivers to just really bulletproof my squad here, like the guys that are like typically worthless, you know, on their own, like Tyler Boyd. Um, and I was just wondering, I love that you mentioned Tyler Boyd as worthless because I feel the exact same way. Yeah. Like he's, he's worthless, but he's a, he's a good wide receiver handcuff in case my one ever gets hurt. So, you know, that leads me into my next question. Uh, how much would you pay for Deandre Hopkins handcuff in Marquise Brown, knowing that he's likely worthless when D hop comes back? How dare you? How dare you say that? Did you really just not like Hollywood Brown? <laughs> no, I just know you and a cash love him, so I had to come in and drop that. All right, yeah. I, I just not honestly, I mean, I like DeAndre Hopkins, obviously. He's one of my favorite wide receivers of the last decade in the NFL. He's a great player. Um, but honestly, I mean, I honestly think that he's on his way out. Uh not on his way out, I should say, but I think I think we've seen the best of DeAndre Hopkins. Um I think last year he showed some signs of declining. You know, he didn't have over 87 receiving yards in a game. And I kind of just am expecting Hollywood Brown to be the wide receiver there for the rest of the season, for the most part. So would you buy at a late first value? Or would that be too steep at this point, knowing for he hasn't done much? Or too, no, for Brown. Oh, for Hollywood, yeah. I mean, I, I think I would buy Hollywood for a late 23 first. Okay. I really like Hollywood, though. I mean, I like him more than most. Um, I think that he is the wide receiver, one of the future here for this Cardinals team. Hasn't really got it going earlier in the year, but honestly, I think that 
It's just because, you know, the quality of weapons in Arizona without a guy like DeAndre Hopkins out there makes things harder for him to produce, if that makes sense. Because, like, it's, you know, it's Dorch, it's Ertz, Wash, AJ Green, and then Hollywood. So, you know, defenses can really key in on Hollywood, and the other guys will kind of do their thing around him. You know what I mean? So, follow-up question. Yeah, for sure. I know you were talking about firing him up. Rondell Moore coming back from injury once he gets back. How sky high are you on Rondell Moore? I like Rondell actually a good bit. I, I wouldn't say I'm sky high. That's not the word I would use to describe my my you know affinity for Rondell Moore. I do like him, um, but I, I I view him as a flex play when he comes back. I don't really think he has top fifteen upside or top twenty upside as necessarily, um, but I do think he'll be used in a variety of ways that I think he'll be able to go and get some manufactured touches in this offense, which are obviously very important. Um, I'm definitely interested to see what his role looks like because, you know, and this is a new offense, you know, with, with Hollywood Brown out there, Christian Kirk gone. Um, we're going to see, you know, some different looks overall with how the way these Cardinals use their wide receivers overall. So I, I'm really interested to see the role that Rondell Moore gets alongside Hollywood and DeAndre Hopkins. Um, because, you know, if it's anything like we saw in the past with Christian Kirk and DeAndre Hopkins out there, um, it's nothing too crazy. Uh, but obviously we're hoping to, for that role to increase this season. So I like Rondell, um, but I'm not a huge believer in him. I, I, I wasn't really a fan of him as a prospect coming out just because I didn't think his usage in the, in the NFL would be that high just because of, you know, of his size and whatnot. But um, I do like him in general. I do. I just don't love him. If that makes sense. Yeah. I, I think Greg George has, uh, has gotten a lot of the usage that Rondell w- will get eventually. I, I actually right. see him when things start to dry up in a, in a week or two on the waiver wire, I could easily see him being like the top claim, I think, in like week six or week seven when sure. you know, the he uh, fully recovers. And I thought of that earlier when I saw your uh, Ken Walker tweet because, you know, he I, I think that's a guy that, you know, he might have his usage increase and then by mid-season, yeah. you know, yeah, he's the RB1 yeah. there. Right, for sure. For sure. What do you think about Dorch? Real quick, I, I, he's an interesting guy. I honestly think that he's going to be a guy who – ultimately just falls into the, you know, the shadow realm of wide receivers who are good for three weeks in fantasy football and then it was never heard from again. Yeah, I, I think he's Travis Fulgham as well. Like, he's he's here to... Hey, Travis Fulgham was a lot better than Dorch. That guy was pretty good for a yeah, while Yeah, he ended there. up on a practice squad year. the next year. So Practice squad uh, the next year, yep. Yeah, that's, so. the way, that's the way things work in the NFL sometimes, huh? It's a cruel, it's a cruel game. Yeah, I think they'll, they'll keep him around anyway, probably. But yeah, it, I agree. it's going to be hard to produce with Rondell, Hollywood, Ertz, and then Hopkins eventually back. Yeah, Ertz is a my guy for me too, man. I'm a big Ertz guy. Really like Zach Ertz this year. He's had a really good target share to start the season, which is very, uh, you know, a really good sign for what I was hoping for him to do this year. Yeah, I don't know how he does it. He gets, uh, he's in his early 30s now, and I really thought it, he was a, more of a product of the Eagles just having terrible receivers year over year. But, you know, he went to Arizona and he still earns his targets there. And that's that's hard to do for a tight end to, you know, be a a target hog in itself. Right. Yeah, not only is he a target hog, yeah, like you mentioned, he changed teams and over age 30. It's pretty rare to see that transition that well from team to team. But, I mean, Zach Ertz, you know, he, he's a – I think he could go down as a pretty underrated player when he retires, honestly. I mean, he dominated the NFL for the last decade, man. I mean, he's been really, really good for a long time in the league. I mean, he was Travis Kelsey before Travis Kelsey. You know what I mean? Um, he was, he's been, he's been great for fantasy for a long time. Um, I hope he continues it in Arizona this season, man. Like I mentioned, he's a my guy for me. I, 
one of the reasons why was this this six-week period without DeAndre Hopkins out there. I'm hoping he continues to capitalize on the opportunity he gets with him out because that's going to be a big stretch, a big chunk of his production on the year, in my opinion. All right, man. If, all, if that's all you have for me, man, I really appreciate you coming out. Yeah, yeah that was that. Sorry. I, no, no, yeah, you're good, bro. Much love. Thank you so much for coming out tonight, man. No, I, I appreciate the, the insight there. So Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you so much. All right, it's been a pleasure, man. All right, if anyone else wants to come up here and talk, uh, just hit the request to speak button on the bottom left-hand corner of your screen. I would love to talk to you guys. Uh, just hit the button, and I'll get you up here. We can talk about anything you want in the NFL. If not, I'll just keep talking about the game tomorrow night. Browns and Steelers should be a pretty boring game, honestly. Uh, I mean, I hope not. It's a rivalry game, division game. Um, I think both these teams are in a pretty similar tier in terms of the talent on their rosters at this point in time. Um, you know, I, I obviously think that I'm a, I'm a Steelers fan, so I'm hoping the Browns lose. Um, but we'll see. I think it's going to be a really interesting game with these defenses. I think both of these guys are going to be, you know, low scoring. It's going to be a low scoring affair. Um, the Browns are going to be able to run the ball really well. The Steelers probably won't. So we're. it's going to be interesting to match up, you know, Denzel Ward with Deontay and all those corners out there. Will we see George Pickens get involved? Mitch Trubisky's made it a point of emphasis now in his post-game press conferences two weeks in a row to say, hey, I need to get the ball in these playmakers' hands. And one of those guys he keeps mentioning is George Pickens. So really interested to see that storyline as well. We have two people who want to come up here and talk, uh, Kevin and Jay. We're going to toss it over to Kevin first once he loads in here. Kevin, how you doing, man? We'll start with you. What's up? You're muted for trying to talk. Kevin? Hey, what's up, man? How's it going? I'm doing great, man. How are you? Hey, can't complain, bro. Let me ask you something. Um, Where are you at at this point on the uh, on the Damian Pierce hype train thing? I know week one right. was like a big downer, and then suddenly he got – I read a stat that he was the only running back that got uh, 100% of his carries – like on on his respective team so like where are you at yeah, with yeah yeah he did uh i'm a big damian pierce guy uh, i don't know if you knew that already but i i was one of the guys who was really leading the hype training in, in, in training camp and preseason um i i really am interested in his season long outlook i think obviously you know week one um i think you know you saw a combination of a couple things with the rex burkhead situation i think you saw um you know the natural evolution of a rookie running back or a rookie in general working its way up the depth chart there and i think you also saw a a texans team who was projected to lose a game to the uh, to the indianapolis colts going in and found themselves in a game script where you know they could fit they could feed the running back and they said hey i mean we have a rookie in pierce but we know what rex burke is capable of we're gonna give the ball to the veteran here in a big time matchup and let him cook. So that's kind of what I th- well, that's kind of what I think happened in week one there with Rex Burkhead and Damian Pierce. Uh, you know, head coach Lovey Smith came out after the game and said, "Hey, we need to get the- we need to get this Damian Pierce guy involved more." You know, he's a talented guy. Every word out of of Lovey Smith's mouth about Damian Pierce has been positive, and I'm a really big believer in just what we've seen on the field from Pierce. His yards per carry have been excellent. If you watch him run, uh, he has a lot of juice. If you're just talking pure eye test. Uh, obviously not the highest draft capital invested guy. Didn't have the huge, the largest workload in college. Um, but you know, I'm just a believer in what I've seen on the field with Damian Pierce. And I think that there's a lot of opportunity there in Houston. Obviously, you know, this is going to be a team that's not going to be in- involved in the most positive game scripts in the world on the entire year. Um, but, you know, Pierce is a guy who got a lot of opportunity 
uh, last week, as you mentioned, you know, he's a guy who dominated the backfield touches for Houston. And I think that that's a, we're going to see, obviously not a full 100%, you know, carry workload here. But if, if, if Pierce could see a 70-30 split with Rex Burkett, I'd be thrilled. You know, you drafted this guy in the sixth round, fifth round of your fantasy drafts this season. I think he easily could become a top 20 weekend, week out starter. Uh, I really like what we saw from Damian Pierce so far in the year. And I'm hoping it's just a sign of things to come. Yeah, man, today Lovey Smith said something. Uh, obviously, it wasn't actually this, but it was something along the lines of uh, everybody on this team needs to try harder except for Damian Pierce. I never tell him that. Yeah, something it, like it, that. So I know that, the exact what you're referring dude, to. He that said was that nobody, wild. Yeah, he said nobody. He basically said nobody finishes plays except for Damian Pierce. Yeah, dude, I think that guy's going to the moon. Yeah, I, I don't know about going to the moon, but I mean, I hope so. You know, Respective <laughs> to his draft he, capital, I guess. Right. Yeah, right, right, yeah. right. I, he, he's one of the he was one of my my guys this season heading into the year just because of I think the usage for him is going to be so high, uh, just because his team doesn't really have that many other options. You know, it's it's thirty two year old Rex Burkhead, and a, he's a guy who I respect. You know, Rex Burkhead is a good player. He's a guy who always looks explosive whenever he gets in there and gets opportunities in a game, right? And I I think that he is a guy who for me is a valuable veteran in the NFL. He has a role on every team he goes to, and he does a good job with that role. But the thing with Rex Burkhead for me is that he's never really been the guy in a, on any team. You know, he's never really been a guy to see a large workload. He's never really been a guy to be an RB1. So for me, that's the reason I was so in on Damian Pierce, because I think it's very telling when you go out there and you draft a rookie in the middle rounds. He produces really well in the preseason. You cut veteran uh, running back Marlon Mack, who's had a productive NFL career. Again, you know, the Achilles injury obviously is a concern there with Marlon Mack's career trajectory and whatnot. But, I mean, just flat out cutting a veteran like that when your only other competition in that backfield is, you know, uh, Rex Burkhead and um, um, what's his face? Um, oh, gosh, why am I blanking? The guy who was in uh, the Broncos for a long time, uh, Booker? No, Royce Freeman. Royce Freeman. It's Royce Freeman and Rex Burkhead there. And that is, you know, end end of list as, to, as far as Damian Pierce's competition goes. So for me, you know, if, thinking from a big part of my process is thinking from an NFL head coach or offensive coordinator or GM perspective, okay? If you're the head coach of the Houston Texans, who are you feeding the rock this year at the running back position? Who are you giving the majority of your touches? A 32-year-old running back who's notorious for his pass-catching ability and third-down ability who's 32 years old and never been an RB1 or a 21-year-old running back that you drafted in the middle rounds this year who averaged, I believe, eight or nine yards a carry in the preseason. I, I mean... For me, it's pretty simple. Uh, it's Damian Pierce. You know, the guy has a ton of juice. He can do anything you really want on the field. He also looked pretty good in his pass blocking, pass blocking reps as well, which I'm, I'm very, you know, encouraged by for a rookie running back. It keeps him on the field longer, increases his opportunities overall. Um, you know, I, I'm bullish on Pierce, man. I think that this is just the start of seeing an increased workload for him. Um, you know, again, obviously the situation isn't ideal in Houston. It's going to be a lot of, you know, first and second down attempts and not much third down action for Pierce. But I do believe that the first and second down work will be enough for him to sustain a top 20 running back season if everything goes according to plan. So I, I really like Pierce, man. I, I'm encouraged by the usage we've seen. I'm encouraged by the, you know, the, the film we've seen. Just the eye test in general for Pierce has been great. And I really like his projection for the season so far. Week two's usage was really encouraging to me. To see a, I believe it was like a 16 carry to zero split between he and Rex Burkhead is incredible. And like I said, in, like you said, you know, Every word out of their head coach's mouth is positive about Pierce. Everybody in the room in the building loves him, apparently. And, you know, again, I think cutting Marlon Mack is really telling 
to what they believe and what Damian Pierce can do. Because I feel like if you're an NFL GM and you don't believe in Damian Pierce, you don't head into the season with Royce Freeman and Rex Burke as you're wanting to punch it running back. You know what I mean? So that's just my take on him. Uh, Kevin, do you have anything else, man? That's good, man. Appreciate the feedback, Luke. Yeah, appreciate you coming out here and asking questions, man. It means a lot. All right, Jay, what's up, man? How are you? Jay, you're muted if you're trying to talk. Hey, man, how's it going? Uh, a couple of questions. Do you think yeah, Kyle Pitts is dead and is to a league winner? I'll start with Tua first. Is Tua a league winner? I think he absolutely could be. You know, I wrote a uh, an article for Boost Fantasy Sports uh, a, a few weeks ago before the season started, I think on September 3rd. Um, my recipe I look for in breakout quarterbacks, it's a few things. It's age. It is uncertainty. And well, the age kind of plays into the uncertainty, but the uncertainty tied with age, which which increases, sorry, decreases the average draft position cost that you're investing on draft day for fantasy football. It is rushing ability and it is weapons. Uh, obviously, Tua doesn't have the greatest rushing ability in the world, so that's not really why I was in on him. The reason I was in on Tua for fantasy this year was a couple of reasons. One, he was really cheap. You know, he's an unproven guy. No one really knows to expect from Tua yet in the NFL. You know, we didn't really get to see him do his thing yet. You know, he's still a guy that had a lot to prove in the NFL. So he was really cheap on on draft day in your fantasy football leagues, which is why I really liked him. But the second reason, and the most important thing for Tua, the reason that he checked off a lot of boxes in my evaluation for him, was his weapons. I mean, he has otherworldly weapons in Miami. You know, this is a guy who has arguably the one of the, I, I wouldn't say the best wide receiver do in the NFL. I think Jamar Chase and T. Higgins still has that crown. But it's, it's certainly up there, man. It's certainly up there. I mean, we've seen now what he's capable of in this new offensive scheme with Mike McDaniel coming over from San Francisco. They lit up the Baltimore Ravens secondary last uh, last Sunday. Started off a little slow. But the man has six passing touchdowns last week, and he's leading the NFL in passing yards. So, yes, I absolutely think he'd be a league winner. Those weapons are unbelievable. And that's what's really going to carry Tua to victory. And about Kyle Pitts as well. Okay, uh, Kyle Pitts is a little bit more tricky. Uh, you know, this is a guy who had mighty high expectations heading into the year, right? Mighty high expectations. But the thing is, you know, with this offensive system in Atlanta now, we don't really know what to expect anymore with the emergence of Drake London. That being said, I'm not worried about Kyle Pitts. I'm not hitting the panic button. You know, this is a guy who I truly believe is one of the most talented pass catchers in the NFL. He had the second best rookie tight end season of all time behind Mike Ditka, the second tight end rookie ever to have 2,000 receiving yards. Sorry, not 2,000. That'd be incredible. 1,000 receiving yards in his rookie season. You know, he just hasn't scored the touchdowns. That's been the story of Kyle Pitts' career. Is if he scored touchdowns, he would be, you know, a total stud for fantasy. And I think he's going to get there. It, you know, the the usage has definitely been a little disheartening so far in the NFL this season. But, man, I, I think it's foolish to just cut your ties on Kyle Pitts this early into the season. It's only two weeks in. Uh, the target share has still been there. It hasn't been as high as some would like, obviously. Um, but I think they're going to write the ship and figure it out. Again, you know, like I mentioned earlier, a big part of my process is looking at things from a coaching staff perspective, looking at things through a front office perspective. Um, and I think you'd be stupid to not use Kyle Pitts more if you're the Atlanta Falcons, right? And, you know, maybe they're feeding the rock to Drake London because the defense is, you know, paying a lot of attention to Kyle Pitts. Um but, I mean, Kyle Pitts is going to get his. At the end of the day, a big part of my analysis is talent wins. Talent wins out in the end, in the end of the day in the NFL, especially when you're as talented as Kyle Pitts is. You know, I think this guy has the potential to be a perennial pro bowler, 
uh, even a perennial All-Pro. He, he could have a Hall of Fame caliber career if everything goes right for him at the end of the day. And, you know, for a guy to be just saying, hey, you know, we might need to seem to cut my losses on a guy like this this early in the season, I think is a little crazy to me. Uh, just be patient. Everything's going to be okay. The targets will come. The opportunities will come. Uh, and I definitely would not be selling low on him. Do not sell low on him. Panic selling is never a good ROI system. You know, you're drafting this guy in the third round of fantasy drafts this year as a top three tight end off the board, most likely. Um, you're going to need to hold this guy for more than two weeks. I think you're going to need to keep starting him. Obviously, it might hurt for now, but I mean, this guy is, again, he's he's a, he's an incredible all-world talent. You're going to need to roll him out there until he truly makes it <laughs> to the point where, hey, if I play this guy, I'm going to lose my week. Um so, yeah, don't panic sell. Hold tight. Kyle Pitts will be okay. He's an incredibly talented player. And I think ultimately, you know, this offensive coaching staff is going to say, hey, we need to get the ball to the guy who could be a perennial all-pro. That's what that's what I think about Kyle Pitts, personally. Cool, man. Love it. Does uh, Buffalo scare you to it all or no? Does who? Sorry? The Buffalo matchup. The Buffalo matchup with Kyle Pitts. Are they playing, are they playing Buffalo this week? No, sorry. For two, I meant... Over to us. Sorry. Uh, I mean, obviously not great. You know, um, Buffalo has looked like an absolute juggernaut so far in the NFL this season. Uh, Tennessee Titans offense looks like crap against them. I'm obviously, I'm not too concerned about that. Uh, the thing I am concerned about, obviously, is, you know, Super Bowl champion Rams did not look great against these Buffalo Bills. You know, they had seven sacks, uh, only sending four pass rushers every single play. Um, you know, I it, I am a little concerned, but I think the Miami Dolphins offensive line is a very quality unit and these passing weapons can hang with any, you know, defensive unit in the NFL. I think that, you know, you can't guard Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill. It's impossible. I don't care how good your secondary is unless you have Jalen Ramsey, you know, and another elite cornerback in the NFL. You're not going to be able to clamp up these guys. Um, you know, I think I would be stunned if Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill didn't combine for over 100 receiving yards at a minimum against Buffalo. I mean, if they could pull that off, I would be literally shocked. Um, it, it's tough because, you know, will the touchdowns come? And that's the, that's the one thing that's tough about Tua is because he doesn't run the ball. He has to get a lot of passing yardage and he has to get a lot of touchdowns for him to make him, make him a true, you know, top fantasy asset. And do I think that's likely against Buffalo? Probably not. Do I think he's a top 10 option against Buffalo? Probably not. Is he a top 10, 12 option? I would say Yes. Uh, I haven't dove into my week three rankings yet. I'll be doing that tomorrow for the Thursday night game. I need to sit down and do my first pass of my rankings. And I'll finalize those rankings again on Sunday morning and Saturday night. Um, but for right now, I mean, I, I think I will have Tua inside my top 12 quarterbacks this week. Yes, I think I think he is an, a must start. I mean, after, even though the matchup is, is extremely difficult, you know, he, he, threw, he put up 600, sorry, not 600 yards, six touchdowns and over 400 passing yards last week. It's pretty tough for me just to turn around and say, hey, I'm going to bench that guy. You know what I mean? Unless you have another top 12 option on your team, I don't think you should be playing like a Joe Flacco or anything like that over, over Tua this week. I just don't think it's possible. You know, he's looked so good, it's it's pretty unjustifiable for me to bench him at this point. Thanks, man. Thank you, bro. Appreciate it, man. All right, does anyone else have anyone, uh, anything else they want to talk about? Hit that request to speak button. I would love to get you up here, answer some questions, help you guys out. Really appreciate you guys coming through tonight. It's been a lot of fun to sit down and talk with everybody. Um, I mean, I just love doing this, man. It's a, it's a great time to come out here and talk to everybody on the Twitter spaces. Uh, shout out Thor, man. Thor's a legend in the fantasy community. It's really cool to see him out here. Uh, much love, Thor. Yeah, but if no one else has anything, I'll just continue previewing the Thursday night football matchup. 
again, uh, you know, some storylines to watch is George Pickens' usage. Uh, Mason, not Mason Rudolph, Mitch Trubisky's come out and said two weeks in a row after his, uh, the post-game press conference that they're trying to get the ball to George Pickens more. Got to get the ball in the hands of these playmakers for the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. And ultimately, man, the thing that I'm looking for from this Pittsburgh Steelers offense is to put freaking points on the board. I'm a Steelers fan. I've watched every single snap from this offense so far this season, and it looks absolutely abysmal. You know, I, I swear I have not seen this team make one good drive all the way down the field and score a touchdown. I just haven't seen it. Um, you know, they have great pieces. They have, uh, you know, one of the best young receiving cores in the NFL. Um, we just need good quarterback play. And Mitch Trubisky has not really been providing it. And I think, honestly, a lot of the blame falls on the shoulders of Matt Canada and this offensive coordinator. You know, I think that something's got to give, you know. I mean, we've been blaming Ben Roethlisberger for a long time. We've been blaming everybody. You know, Todd Haley got fired. You know, Randy Feekner got fired, former offensive coordinator before Matt Canada. Uh, Canada did not look very good last year as offensive coordinator. And, you know, now he has uh, a quarterback that can do everything. You know, a lot of the excuses for Canada last season was, oh, you know, we have a quarterback who's slow. He's immobile. He, we can't run RPOs the way we want. We can't, you know, we can't move the pocket. We can't do all these play action passes because our quarterback isn't mobile enough to move the pocket and get on the run. You have a quarterback that can do that now, Mitch Trubisky, and they've been doing it in the first couple of weeks. You know, they've been moving the pocket a lot higher play action rate than we have seen in Pittsburgh Steelers offense the last couple of years. But still, the end result is not points so far this season, and we need points. You know, you we lost to the New England Patriots on Sunday, giving up 17 points. You know, in the National Football League, you're not going to give up. You're not going to win a lot of games when your defense holds the opposing team to 17 points without your defensive player of the year on the field, and you're still losing. You know what I mean? Like you got to go out there, you got to make plays on offensive points up on the board you know this team has incredible weapons across the board the only major flaw with this team is the offensive line right obviously the offensive line is a big issue for the student's offense Najee Harris and the rushing has not really been able to build momentum because of how poor this this blocking is for the running attack but the passing blocking has not been bad you know Mitch Trubisky was only sacked two times last week two times against a very good pitch, uh, uh, New England Patriots defense, and I believe he was only sacked once against the Bengals. So that's only three sacks on the season so far for Mitch Trubisky. So the pass blocking has been fine. You know, I think I saw a stat today from Next, uh, NFL Next Gen Stats that he has the ninth uh, fastest time to throw of any quarterback in the NFL this season. But the thing is, you know, we just haven't been moving the ball down the field. It's inconsistent play calling. It's it's very vanilla play calling. Haven't seen a lot of razzle-dazzle from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Not a lot of splash plays. You know, Mike Tomlin likes to use the phrase splash plays a lot, and I do too. You know, we, we haven't been able to, you know, move the ball down the field and earn chunk yardage, and that's a really key aspect of any team winning NFL games. You know what I mean? Um, we had a really big chunk play in the Bengals game on offense where we did a, a flea flicker. We threw it down the field to Fryermuth for a big game. We need to see more of that offensive creativity from this Pittsburgh Steelers offense. They have the weapons. They have the talent. All we need is a quarterback who can execute the offensive game plan, and they, who knows? Maybe we just need a new offensive game plan altogether. You know, we have excellent wide receivers. Deontay Claypool, Friar Muth is a tight end, and George Pickens. That's a fantastic young core. Najee Harris can do a lot of things out of the backfield and split out wide as a receiving back. And listen, man, I, I understand the offensive line's poor, but at the end of the day, you, you have to execute at some point, man. Uh, you know, this Bengals game shouldn't, the Bengals game last week should not have been close. It should not have been close. Um, you know, this team was plus five in the turnover categories in week one, and they squeaked out a win in overtime in a game they should have lost on a game-winning touchdown to Jamar Chase. It's inexcusable. If the ball, if your other team throw, uh, puts together, sorry, if your defense turns the, the, uh, the opposing offense over five times and you 
basically lose the game, that is an absolute embarrassment. I understand that it's against the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, Super Bowl appearance for them last year. Incredibly talented team. Uh, good coaching with Zach Taylor as well. But, I mean, come on. You, you got to win that football game by a lot more than a, a nail-biting overtime victory by three points. It is inexcusable that that team only put up 23 points off five turnovers. Inexcusable. It's, it's There's just nothing you can say, man. There's just nothing you can say. And same thing goes for how you lose against the New England Patriots the other day. Again, forced some turnovers, forced some splash plays. But the major issue was they just couldn't score the damn ball. You got to score the ball, man. I mean, plenty of drives got downfield for field goals. And, you know, we had some, some drives got near midfield. But the problem with this Pittsburgh Steelers offense is you can only sustain so many, you know, drives where you're having three, four third down conversions. The problem with this Pittsburgh Steelers offense is they keep trying to establish the run, establish the run, and it goes nowhere. I make a joke with my dad all the time on the phone watching Steelers games where the Pittsburgh Steelers offense is run for no gain, run for no gain, throw it 40 yards for an incompletion. I mean, you might laugh at that, but it's true. This Pittsburgh Steelers offense lacks creativity. It lacks ingenuity, and they really need to get something in the works to get these playmakers the ball in space. We need to get more touches for George Pickens, our second-round draft pick out of Georgia, who's had a stellar training camp, completely won over the Pittsburgh media, which is a very difficult thing to do. He's gone out there, barely got any targets, has gotten very, very, very little usage. I think he has two or three catches in the first two weeks of the NFL season so far. We need to get manufactured touches for these playmakers. And not only need to do that, we need to execute on our downfield shots. Mitch Trubisky's mechanics have been an absolute nightmare to watch so far this season. I don't know if you guys have been able to watch his mechanics so far, but the man throws half his passes off his back foot. I don't even know if you if you know how bad that is. But if you watch a quarterback play in the NFL at the highest level, he should not be making plays every single time, throwing up, fading away, throwing back shoulder deep balls off his back foot, run comeback routes to Deontay Johnson off his back foot. You know, th there just needs to be a change in Pittsburgh one way or another. Mitch Trubisky either needs to step up or get out of there and they need to put Kenny Pickett in. We need to change the offensive coordinator or we just need to score the damn ball. Because if something doesn't change in the next two weeks, man, Pittsburgh will be on fire. I mean, the fans are already starting to get fed up in Pittsburgh, man. After a couple three-and-out drives last week against New England at home in their home opener, the crowd was booing. I mean, it is not looking pretty for this offense. This defense is looking great. I mean, the pass rush was not was a major issue last week against, you know, the Patriots. They were giving Mac Jones way too much time in the pocket. But overall, you know, the defense held this Patriots offense to 17 points, and one of the touchdowns I should have came off a very, very bad buff punt that gave the Patriots the ball within, the I think, the 30-yard line of the Steelers. So, I mean, again, so one of these touchdowns were just handed to them. So that's, that's 10 points that was really earned, uh, you know, for the defense there. And again, you know, if you're losing a game, only giving up 17 points, there's a lot of problems. This offense only scored 20 points in regulation against the Bengals last week. Sorry, in week one off of five turnovers. And one of them was a pick six, mind you. So it's only 13 points created by the offense off that many turnovers. It's unexcusable, and something needs to change in Pittsburgh immediately, or else heads heads will roll. Heads will roll, man. Matt Cannon needs to be fired. There needs to be changes in the front office, or we we just need to score points. Something needs to happen with the coaching. Something needs to happen with the personnel, like like benching Mitch Trubisky for Kenny Pickett. But something needs to change, or else these Steelers are not going to win more than eight games this year. All right, that's a long rant there. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, I'll do a last call here for questions. Uh, if anyone wants to get up here and talk about anything. 
fantasy football, NFL in general, I would love to have that conversation with you guys. If not, we'll wrap up things here for you. I'll just uh, keep rambling here for a few seconds. But if anyone wants to come up here, hit the request to speak button in the bottom left-hand corner of your screen. I would love to talk fantasy with you guys. would love to talk NFL. But if not, we'll call it a night here. Thank you guys so much for coming out to the Fantasy Football Radio Hour show. And, uh, yeah, I'll see if anyone has any questions here. Going once. Going twice. And sold. All right, that's going to do it for tonight's show, everybody. Thank you so much for coming out. And if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, YouTube, wherever you're finding the podcast for the Fantasy Football Radio Hour, make sure you guys drop a like, comment, drop a review, subscribe to the show. Really appreciate everyone uh, listening, and I hope you had a great day. Good night, everybody. See ya. Hey, man, quick question if you're still around. Yeah, what's up, Jay? Sorry. Uh, no worries. Um, if DK Metcalf has a good game today, would you sell high on him? Or, sorry, this week? Um, I, I mean, in redraft, I would definitely consider selling high on DK if he has a huge week, yes. Um, but in general, I think he's more of a hold for me right now. I don't think you're going to get anyone to pay top dollar for a guy in that offense. All right, Jay. Hope that helps, man. All right, guys. I'm going to get out of here. Have a great night, everybody. And I will see you on the Start to Hit show tomorrow night. Goodbye.